the hunt. I woke up and oh, snowing. I've got to go and grit the playground. I've got to make sure everywhere's safe. It's going to be freezing cold. And I felt God challenging me a little bit because I got to playtime and the children were out there building snowmen, smiles on their faces. And I felt God is saying, don't, don't turn opportunities for joy into moments of doom. You know, there are times when we have these moments of do, like, you know, Dad's army, we're all doomed, doomed. And that's like, I live my life like that sometimes. I wake up in the morning, oh, it's going to be awful. We talked about this, you know, story of my life. And uh, actually, we need to turn that around and, and turn it from a, a, a story of doom to a story of joy. And so I embraced that, and I went outside, and I was, I was there building snowmen as well. And that was really good, and it was great to see the joy in that opportunity there. And, um, but that's a, a, a kind of a prophetic word for our lives, isn't it? These kind of setbacks can become steps forward, but it's very much about how do we engage with God in all of that. And that's part of the story of Haggai. So we've been looking in Haggai, and uh, we've focused in particular on the, um, on the months that Haggai was, was um, prophesying in. And the first month was the month of Elul, the sixth month. And in that month, it symbolizes refreshing, reflection, and repentance. Um, the word Tishava, which is about returning home, um, or, or sometimes interpreted as repent. And God says in Haggai chapter 1, he says, give careful thought to your ways. And God is continuing to say that. And that for, for us, that's the bottom line word of God for us from the book of Haggai. Um, and then uh, we looked at the seventh month as Haggai moved into uh, the month of Ethanim, sometimes called Tishrei. And we talked about awakening and stirring. And I, had, I was doing the sermon yesterday, and we got a, a delivery to my house of a shofar. This is a shofar. Now, you can get bigger ones than this, but this is a shofar. And um, it, I didn't know that was Adrian had ordered it. So it was a, a shofar. How often does that happen? There's a, there's a knock at the door. There's a post lady, and they've bought you a shofar. So if anybody, has anybody ever played the trumpet or the cornet? Because I've tried this, and it doesn't sound nice. Okay. <laughs> So if anybody's any good at that and you want to maybe borrow it with Adrienne's permission because she bought it, is that okay? If, if, if somebody's got a trumpet, if anybody's got lips that are good at blowing things without one of those things on the end, then anyway, it's there. And then on the same day, um, we got a delivery of an ice bath as well. I said, you know, this would never have happened before the internet, would it? You know, you sat there. I said, people need to stop ordering stuff off the internet. I've got no idea what's going to come through my door next. But I kind of thought both of those are about awakening, aren't they? Hannah's ordered an ice bath. It's typical Hannah. I've got no idea. What <laughs> Hannah's ordered an ice bath, so it's there, sat ready for reinvigorating herself or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I think that's what it does, isn't it? It's horrible. Okay, I won't tell, I won't tell Hannah that. Um, so but both of them are about awakening, and that's what the month of Ethanim was about. It was about awakening um, and God stirring us up. And, um, and now we're going into... Haggai chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 10, and I'll just read the first little bit. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. So Kislev is the darkest month. It's kind of equivalent to our November and December. So it's the darkest month in Israel. And this really dark month, interestingly, the root of the word Kislev is hope. The root of the word kislev is trust. So hope and trust together. So in the middle of this darkest month, this darkest time, God says there is hope. And sometimes for us we need to hear that. 
in the middle of darkness there is light. And, and after the time of Haggai, um, a number of years later, um, the, the festival of Hanukkah was, um, uh, was, was established, which was a celebration of light. In Haggai chapter 2, it tells us that God is with us. I am with you, says the Lord. I am with you. And his light brings hope. Throughout the scripture, we see some of the darkest times in the whole of scripture. Cannot stop the might and the light of God and the establishment of his kingdom. Uh, Psalm 18, verse 28, I mentioned last week. I'm trying to memorize it, struggling a bit, but I'll give, me, give it a go. It'll take me five years and I'll get there. Uh, but Psalm 18, verse 28, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. My God turns my darkness. It, he doesn't just get rid, he turns it into light. Our setbacks become steps forward in God. In John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. This is Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we could, in a, I could break off now and say, right, come on, everybody, give us some verses about light. And I'm sure you could just fire them out at me. Um, but it might be good to go home and have a think about, okay, where, where I am the light of the world. There's so many, isn't there? So, um, yeah, it might be quite good to do that. So here, we, here we've got this darkest month of the, wor- of the year. And this word kislev, which means hope, but it also means something else. You know, when he's speaking and preaching, you start digging around trying to find something interesting to say. And, um, and then it turns out that it also means foolishness. I can't think, oh, I've got to struggle with that one. And yet... As you think about the ways of God, where is our hope? So often we put our hope in ourselves. I put my, my hope in myself, my ability to be able to sort things out. You know, there's a problem at school. I can sort it out. We can, we can deal with all this. But God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And in fact, it says, and we know this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And sometimes what appears to be foolishness is what God is asking us to hope for and hope in. And so that story of my life is asking us to hope in something which might appear foolish, might be counterintuitive, might go against what appears to be reality. And he wants the joy of you seeing it through as being the story of your life. And Dave shared last week about Mason and and, you know, I'm, I'm, it would be great for each one of us to gather stories of hope. I think it would be good if we had a, a book. We, you know, when we, when we share testimony, it's so powerful, and we need to sort of get into more and more of that. And it doesn't have to be massive testimony. It could be just that God helped me this week. I thought it wasn't going to turn out well, and it did. I mean, that's so encouraging to hear that, isn't it, from other people. And we need to gather together stories of hope. I've started writing a diary um, and I try it every year, but I've actually been quite good. We're on the 21st of January, 21 days of doing okay. I've actually kept the diary for 21 days. And what's been good about it is that, you know, those moments of doom that you kind of like, oh, life's really hard. Actually, when you start to write down the way that God has moved in each day, thank you, God, for helping us, helping me today. You know, that Bible app that we've been reading through has been fantastic for me, and just being able to look at that and that. All those stories of hope, they're every day. It's not just every now and again. I hope there's a bit of a hopeful story some point next year. Every day God is giving us stories of hope, if we would only see them. 
So I would recommend keeping a diary. I would recommend writing them down. Um, Sometimes the things that God says to us, the promises he makes, the prophecy he brings, seems foolish in our natural understanding. We find it hard to believe that there is a better story, but there is one in God. The Israelites themselves at this time in Haggai had given up hope. They'd been frustrated by the negative influence and discouragement of the people around them, and so they'd laid a foundation for the temple, the second temple, and then they'd given up. And they've decided that they wanted to work on their own homes and do their own thing and forget about the ministry of God. And it says in Ezra that the work of the Lord had stood still. And we said last week, has the work of God stood still in your life? Because there's been some discouragement. And I'm not downplaying that because discouragement can hit us hard. We can be very disillusioned. And, 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 and you know, li- life can be a massive challenge. And so we need to think, how do we get back into that place again? And Haggai as all prophets do, was just stirring up again, stirring up again the people towards obedience to God and trusting and hoping in God again so that the work of the Lord does not stand still in our lives, but we can gain hope um, in him. So Haggai tells them to come back to God and to obey him again. Um, and we heard, I mean, Karen prophesied um, at the beginning of this uh, series um, in the worship time, she said, be single-minded. God is calling us to be single-minded, to be single-minded, If you go away with nothing else but this, be single-minded. Be intentional about your work with God. Adrian talked about becoming untethered from the past. Just because it's always been one way doesn't mean to say it has to always be that way. God can bring about change. No matter how young or old you are, no matter how difficult things have been, let's untether ourselves from the past and hook ourselves into the thing that God has got for us. I love the picture that Karen gave of, of, of burning up lies in the saucepan in the back garden which is a little bit weird, but it was still fantastic. I kind of think, that's a great thing to do, isn't it? All the lies that you will always be like this, or this is how it's always going to turn out. Write it on a piece of paper and burn it or shred it or whatever you're going to do with it, because that's the lie from the enemy. God can bring about a new thing, and we'll see that a bit later on. And the phrase that I shared last week, that God will turn our setbacks into steps forward. So this month of Kislev, it was, a, it was a, the darkest month, and it means hope. But it's in the middle of this darkest month that when, when the people of Israel begin to plant their crops, they, pl- they begin to plant their crops of, of flax and, and barley. And um, it's a bit dangerous. We've got a farmer in the room right now, so I've got to be careful what I say. So I can't go too far, but I'm sure Mark will, will do a sermon on it. Well, he has done in the past. They've been really good sermons. Um, but, but in the middle of the darkest, when it would appear to be, why bother? It's dark, it's cold, the ground is hard. Why are you doing that? But they, they sow, and I think that act of sowing, I think it's true for Mark, it's true for all farmers, <coughs> it's an act of faith, isn't it? You put that seed in the ground, and there's an act of faith that it will grow, and there will be a harvest, because there's so many things beyond your control that, that happen over, over the year. And I know every year we pray for Mark and Wendy and, and, um, and, and the farm. So it seems foolish to plant seeds at a time when it's dark and it's cold and seemingly hopeless. But, but that's what farmers do and that's what we're being called to do, to plant seeds in a time of darkness. So Adrian went up to um, uh, the start of the year right conference in Glasgow um, and came back and shared one or two things with me. But the thing that stood out to me and I think to Adrian as well was a prophetic word from a guy called Sam Robertson up there. And it'd be good to get Sam down actually uh, to us. And um, he was saying that and Adrian can correct me if I've got this wrong, but that we are in a time of seeding. Is that more or less right? 
we are in a time of seeding. Now, actually, I think that's really powerful. It's really right. It's a time when God is planting seeds. But I actually think we are in a time of pre-seeding. So this is a, a pre-seeding season of the season of seeding, I think. <laughs> so we are pre-seeding. What God is doing is he is preparing our hearts for seeding. He's preparing the soil for seeding. Remember that story of Jesus when um, the sower went out to sow and the seed was sown and it fell on some good soil, it fell on some stony soil, it fell on some soil with thistles and thorns and it only grew and produced a great harvest when it fell on the good soil. And God is wanting to prepare our soil. And just this week I've been doing the Bible app and one of the verses that came up um, when you first turn it on, was Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, which we've had before. And um, some of you will know what that is. Break up your unplowed ground. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, says the Lord. Break up, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Break up your unplowed ground. Because if you've got hard, unplowed ground, then the seed is not going to take. It's not going to root. And God wants us to give careful thought to our way, to have a time when we are preparing our hearts for the seed. Otherwise, you know, you've been in those times when your heart's been like stone, you know, Ezekiel 36, and the words are coming, but they're just like bouncing off your head. Have you ever been in those times when you go to your quiet time, it's boom, 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 it's just like, nothing's going in here, nothing's going in, Lord. I'm here, Lord, I'm doing my routine, but nothing's going in. And, and, and at those times, God wants us to just really push in and break up that unplowed ground. Maybe a time of fasting is needed. Maybe it's a time of retreating is needed. Maybe it's a time of withdrawing is needed. I was reading this morning about Jesus. Before he walked on the water, he went up to the mountain. Before he walked on the water, he went up into the mountain. He took himself away. He isolated himself from everybody else. And then he joined them walking across the water. Imagine that. Walking across the water. Jesus comes, he's on the water. And it's just like amazing, but he had to go to the mountain first. What will you do to break up your unplowed ground, to turn your heart of stone to a heart of flesh, Ezekiel 36? And that's a challenge for us. Give careful thought to you, because it will be different for each one of us, what it is. I mean, God's been certainly challenging me and saying, Mike, you need to give space for me. I know there's a lot on your plate, Mike, but you need to give space for me. And, um, and, and I've found the benefit of doing that. Give careful thought to your ways. Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way ever Lasting. Psalm 27. Psalm 27 was read out every day of the month of Elul. Psalm 27. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says, if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Thank you, Lord. So God is amazing. He wants to receive you. So it's powerful, powerful times that God is calling us into. But it's tough times, and we need to do all of this with God right, right at the centre. So this shofar that was, that was blown, um, and, and again, I so say, if anybody wants to blow it, that's fine. I'm not going to blow it, don't worry. This, blow, like this shofar that was blown. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, I did play the chauffeur. You weren't here. I played the chauffeur last week. They were great, weren't they? Those show, if you get, go on YouTube and play the chauffeur, should have done that this week and then done that, but that's not going to work. But the chauffeur <coughs> is symbolic of both worship and prof- prophecy. And we're in a time of the prophetic word. There are people here who have got prophecy in your bones. Everybody here, desire the greater gifts, Paul says. I want everybody here to desire to prophesy. Everybody here to desire to prophesy. And I want the prophets to be stirred up again. Because guess what the enemy wants to do? Keep you quiet and shut you down. That's what he wants to do. He wants to say, nobody's listening to you. Nobody's bothered about what you've got to say. Nobody's bothered about your words. Or what you're going to say is just going to be stupid compared to what Mike says (laughs) or somebody else says. And the enemy's just doing everything he can to shut you down and shut you up. And God says, speak what you hear in the darkness. Speak from the rooftops. So God is raising us up, raising the prophets up. He's raising up worship because worship and prophecy go together. He's raising up a people of prayer. Looking in the newsletter this week, there's about four opportunities for people to go and gather to pray in there. How good is that? And I know we can't all do every single meeting. We know we do different things, but it's, it's important that we do gather to pray. But the enemy wants to isolate us from God. The enemy wants to isolate us from God's word. The enemy wants to isolate us from God's people. He wants to silence us. And sometimes we do need to retreat in order to advance. Sometimes we do need to go up to the mountain in order to walk on the water. But in verse, in verse 10 of Haggai 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to the prophet. It's said 14 times in two chapters. The word of the Lord came to the prophet. God wants to raise up prophets in this season. And then verse 11 to 14. So let's read through verse 11 to 14. And um, it's quite an interesting passage. And um, when, when I read this out at the leaders, this is the passage that Andrew stood out. He said, that's the bit that stands out to me. And it's quite interesting. So verse 11 says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? And the priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. And then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. So it seems like quite a tricky passage to to kind of fully understand, but basically what God is saying is just because you're called God's people and just because you're here as God's nation doesn't mean that you are holy. Just because you appear to be doing all the right things, just because you've got your routines in place, just because you've got your festivals happening doesn't mean that your heart is right. What God is saying is just just turning up and rubbing shoulders next to somebody's holy doesn't make you holy. Coming along to church on a Sunday morning and looking like you're doing really good with God doesn't make you holy because I see your heart. And it's your heart that matters to me. It's your life that matters to me. And God isn't condemning us. He's saying, I want you to turn it around. So repentance, we don't repent in order to be loved. We repent because we are loved. We turn things around and we come before God with confession in our hearts 
and a, and a desire to say, Lord God, see if there's any offensive way in me, not so that we can be loved because we're already loved. We do it because we are in that place of love of God. And that's why it's so amazing and wonderful. That transformation can take place in our lives because we are loved. There's no way I'm going to go to somebody that doesn't love me and, and confess things. I will only go to people that love me. And when I go to people that love me and I confess to people that love me, then there is transformation that takes place and a weight that lifts from my shoulders and a burden that I no longer have to carry and a chain that is broken. Because in that place of love and that place of safety, God makes a difference. And what it boils down to is looking at Jesus. I mean, nothing else matters until Jesus matters most. And Peter, when he was there, and Jesus came down off the mountainside and he's walking across the water, and then Peter says, Lord, is that really you? And Jesus says, yes, it's me, because they thought it was a ghost. Yes, it's me. And Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, all right, come. And he does. Jesus says, come. And, he, and Jesus is saying to us, come. And Peter does, come. And he walks on the water. I mean, it's astounding. He walks on the water while his eyes are fixed on Jesus. It's like he's walking towards Jesus. And as soon as his eyes are distracted to his circumstance and to the wind and the waves, then he begins to sink down. And what does Jesus do? He says, oh, forget him. Lest anybody else. Uh, but no, he doesn't. He reaches his hand out and he lifts him up. And when he says, oh, you know, you have little faith, it, it's not kind of a condem condemnation. He's saying, it's kind of like a, wow, you know, well done, but let's have a bit more faith. Let's just go for it even more. And God wants to say that to us. Go for it a little bit more. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but he's delighted in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand at the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I know which side of that line I want to be on. I want to be on the side where I prosper, where my leaves don't wither, where my fruit is just like there. How do I do that? I meditate on the word of God day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. I meditate on the word of God. And God is just saying to me, you need to make the choice, Mike. What's the choice you're making? Are you going to meditate on the word of God or not? Verse 15, um, it says here in Haggai chapter 2, verse 15. Now, give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. Yet you didn't return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. And then God says this amazing thing. He says, from this day on, I will bless you. See, nothing had flourished because they had ignored God. 
And then, as a result of the prophetic word of Haggai and, and, and Zechariah as well, the people began to obey. It tells us earlier on in chapter 1. The people began to obey. And so God erred. He stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and, and all the other guys. And, um, and, and, and they began to do the work of God. And so as a result of that obedience, then it says here that I will beforehand, that you, you, you put so much effort in, so much effort in, and then nothing came of it. But now you're obeying me. Now your heart is right. Now you've got a heart of flesh. Now you've given careful thought to your ways and you've listened to me and you're doing what I'm calling you to do. Now, from this day on, I will bless you. And, it's, and Chris has put in the newsletter this week that the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Chapter 2, verse, um, verse 9. God is awakening us and stirring us from this day on. I will bless you. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 7, it says that only God makes things grow. It says, you are God's field. You are God's field. I like that. You are, just imagine that. We are God's field. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now let's, let's read the last little section here, verse 20. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. And the shaking is the asserting of God's authority. When there is shaking in the Bible, it is the, the assertion of God's authority. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. And this was the time of the Babylonians and mighty kingdoms, empires. Empires come and go, don't they? You know, we've had the Roman Empire. We've had the British Empire. <laughs> we've had all sorts of empires. They've come and they've gone, haven't they? There have been people that have tried to become empires. They've come and they've gone. There's been kings and there's rulers. They've come and they've gone. God shakes the earth. I will overturn royal thrones. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders will fall each by the sword of his brother on that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Almighty. I have chosen you. I had a great message off Mark this week just about that chosen. In a moment, I'm going to read a passage from Ephesians which links to this that Mark kind of reminded me of. It's a really powerful passage. But God says, I have chosen to Zerubbabel, I have chosen you. And the signet ring is the authority of the king. You know, when they sort of stick it on a seal or whatever it might be, only the king has got this. So this has got, it's got the authority of the king. And we find that um, Zerubbabel was the grandson of King Joachim, um, however, you, however you pronounce it, Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim was one of those kings that did evil in the eyes of the Lord along with a whole line of other kings who did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And it was King Jehoiakim who was captured by the Babylonians, dethroned and taken off to captivity. And he lost the throne. And there was a curse in Jeremiah where it says that God will remove the signet ring from the finger of King Jehoiakim. And the curse is that um, is on the Davidic line, the same line that Jesus comes from. And we see Zerubbabel, in Matthew chapter 1 as part of that lineage of Jesus. And this is such a beautiful moment of grace in God. 
God is saying, you know, that which was cursed, I reestablish authority. Because I get to choose that. I am God, and I get to choose who has authority. And I say, because you have obeyed me, because you ha- your heart is right before me right now, I say to you, Zerubbabel, you have honoured the word of God. You are beginning to, you are, you are ast- your heart is stirred up to establish the temple of the Lord in your life and in your nation. And so this grandson of the one who lost the authority has now, the, the authority has been regained. There is a, there is a renewal of the covenant The authority is reinstated. The Davidic line is reinstated. And that signet ring is passed down from generation to generation to Jesus to you and me. We carry that signet ring. We have that authority. And last week, God was clearly saying to us, we need to become more confident. We need to become more confident in him. Become confident in him. Us in him because we have this Davidic line and we have this signet ring of authority. God says, I have chosen you by my grace. So in Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, and, and verse 4, for he, and it's an amazing passage, for he chose us in him. I love that, us in him. So it's not like about Mike being amazing, it's about me in God being amazing. He stoops down to make me great. He stoops down to make you great. Yes, he can. (laughs) He stoops down to make you great. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How amazing is that? So next week, uh, we're going to have a week where there is no sermon but we're going to respond to God. We're going to spend this coming week just thinking, Lord, what have you said? Now, what I'm going to do is listen to the three sermons again on the podcast. That's what I'm going to do. And it's always a little bit awkward listening to your own voice, isn't it? But I'm going to look as God has said stuff. And I say, okay, God, do we go on to the next sermon series or do we actually listen to what you're saying and say, Lord God, what is it you're saying to me? Now, next week, it, I, and I don't yet know, not planned out next week, it might be that I'll be inviting people to come up and say, you know, what has God been saying to you? Maybe we'll do that. Maybe prepare your hearts ready just in case I do. Or maybe um, there'll be something else that God is prompting us to do to respond. But what God is doing is saying, give careful thought to your ways. The whole of your life, give careful thought to your ways. Just be open to him. Because, because I've got a, a, at home in my fruit bowl, I've got a pomegranate, and I was going to bring it this week, and um, because there's a prophetic word around the pomegranate, God said it's, it's not time yet for that, but there is a season of the pomegranate coming, there is a, a season, and I'll leave you to look into that one, but there is a season of the pomegranate coming, but this is not the season yet, because this is the season of the preceding the soil, this is a season of preceding ready for the seeds. The preceding season. And so we need to be open to the thing that God is doing in our lives. Because God has got a purpose for you. God wants us to lift up our eyes to him 
and, and, and open our souls to him and open our hearts to him and open our minds and our lives to him and say, Lord, what is the purpose that you've got for me right now? What is the new thing that you're doing for me right now? What is that fresh way that you've got for me right now? Because God has, and he is about to move into a season of fruitfulness. But what is it that God wants to do in our hearts to prepare us for that? What is it that God is doing in our hearts to get us ready for a season of fruitfulness? Because we want to rush to the fruitfulness. We want to get there as quickly as we can. Lord, fruitfulness, I want it right now. And God is saying, if you want real fruitfulness, if you want a crop a hundredfold, then you need to get your hearts ready and prepare yourselves. And it can be tough. And it may be for you that a time of retreat is needed. It may be for you a time of isolation is needed with God. Maybe for you that there is a time of space that needs to be created. It may be a time when actually you prioritize different things, when we're prioritizing God above other things. It may be a, a time when you're putting some things to one side for a time in order to focus on what God is doing in your life. It may be. I'm just saying that. Give careful thought to your ways in God. What is it that God is doing? Maybe that you need to seek out a prophetic word from somebody. It may be that God just wants you to get into the scriptures again or into the Bible app again and just say, Lord, just speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. Just open up again. What is it that God is saying to you? Because God is going to say something to you. He wants to prepare the way for every single person sat in this room, every single person listening to this podcast. He wants to prepare the way. So we're going to pray right now. Father God, I, Lord, I've said enough. And Lord, you've, you've, dare I say, said enough for us to be able to get on with at the moment. But I know there's more that you want to say. But I believe that what you want to do, Lord, is you want to now go deeper. You want to drill down with your word, Lord God. Lord, you don't want us to have just hard soil and, and the seed just lands on it and Hopefully it might take or it might not. But no, you, Lord, you want a, a, a well-plowed field, Lord. A well-plowed field where the seed will go in. And, Lord, it will take root and it will grow. And we'll just be amazed. And I pray, Lord, we wouldn't rush past this season, this preceding season where, Lord, you're about to seed something in our lives. And we want to be ready for it, Lord. And able to receive it, Lord. And so we commit ourselves before you as a whole church. And we commit ourselves before you as individuals. Help us, Lord, to be obedient in this time to what you are saying to us. Because you have chosen us in you. You have chosen us in you. And you are preparing us to do good works, prepared in advance. But Lord, prepare our hearts first. Prepare our hearts. Lord, where we need to repent, where we need to return home, Right now we do that, Lord. We open ourselves to you, Jesus. There is a shofar being blown. Lord, we want to awaken to you. So as we go into uh, worship, uh, 